Well, happy Easter. It's good to see you guys this morning. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here. If you are new with us, uh, we love it that you're here. We hope you felt loved as you walked in this place. And we'd love to connect with you. You got a bulletin when you walked in. You can take that out now. If you got it, it says Colossians on the front. That's the series we're going through right now. On the right-hand flap of that bulletin, there's a connect card. If you have any questions about today, if you have any questions about Jesus, if you want to give your life to Jesus, uh, if you just want to connect with a church in town, uh, whatever the case may be, you can fill out that connect card. All we really need, name and email, drop it in the offering a little bit later. We'd love to get you connected to what God is doing at Phoenix Bible Church. And we'd love for you to uh, participate today and celebrate with us the event that changed all of history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I say participate because I think it could be easy for us to, to walk in here, sit down, uh, hear some other people sing, maybe look at some scripture, hunt some Easter eggs, go home for brunch. And we would miss it. And you would miss it if you don't participate. And so I do invite you to participate in the fun festivities because there are going to be those egg hunt kids right after the service. Going to be awesome. Snow cone truck, adult and kids. Going to be awesome family photo booth or for your friends, that's going to be awesome. All those things after the service, so stay, even just for a few minutes, hang out, talk to some people that you don't know, and let's continue the celebration that way. But also, during the service, we're going to do a couple of things. One of those things is baptism. Uh, if you walked in and could see over here, there's a tank uh, full of water, and uh, some people are going to go down in that water, and they're going to rise up out of that water to show publicly that they believe that Jesus went down into the grave and rose again on the third day. And so it's an amazing day to celebrate that. Listen, if you have never been baptized, this may be your day. Uh, we have clothes. We have uh, towels. We have a place for you to change. Because I know some of you are thinking, Tim, I got my Sunday best on. Right? I've never been baptized. I know I need to be. I was baptized as a baby. Never baptized since I believed in Jesus. Uh, but I got my Easter clothes on. Got a lot of things planned today. I ain't got time for that. Yes, you do. Right? And we have time for you. We have clothes, we have towels, we have all that stuff for you. We have people in the back that will be in the back to pray with you, even if you have questions and are not sure about baptism, and we could baptize you today. You can go from death to life today and tell everybody about that. Uh, baptisms. Uh, the next thing we have in the service that I'm so excited about, it's our second year to do this, Easter offering. We receive an offering every uh, service. After the sermon, we, we accept an offering and give our tithes and offerings to the Lord. Uh, normally, that goes to the operations of PBC, and we direct that to go out to the community, which is fantastic. Uh, and we believe strongly in that. But today is a special day where we give all the money directly, completely away. And so we're still going to receive an offering, just none of it's going to go here. It's all going to go out, and it's going to go out specifically to an organization uh, called, what is it called? <laughs> International Voice of the Orphan is what it's called. Uh, that's going to help with 41 kids with special needs. It's going to build three homes uh, for these 41 specific kids. I give you those specific stats because I think sometimes we give to things and we're like, what does that actually go to? Does it go to somebody's salary? No. This is going to go to specifically building homes, three of them, for 41 kids with special needs. We have a video uh, that shows you a little bit more about that, so turn your attention toward the screen.
a lot has been said, a lot has been speculated about children with special needs. Many of them take them as curses. Many of them think they are a result of the wrongdoing of your fathers, your grandfathers, or your ancestors, like from long ago. They think that it is something that follows you and follows you and follows you until you give birth to a child with special needs. Because many of them here in Uganda are even sacrificed. Many of them are killed. Many of them are neglected and abused by their own relatives and maybe from their community. People talk about a lot of things, the different stairs they give you, everything points to you, whatever happens there, like it's because of your child. And I'm here to tell you that it is not true at all. These children are special just from God. They're a blessing from God. The GEM Foundation is a home for children with special needs that have been abandoned, orphaned, or abused. And because of that, they have been placed in our custody by the government um, to be taken care of and treasured and given all their medical needs that they have taken care of, their education taken care of, their feeding and clothing, and um, just their daily life. We exist to love the broken, to strengthen the weak, and to encourage the weary. We provide holistic care and love. We provide a family environment where each child has that mom figure uh, in their life that can really pour into them. We are so privileged to have an amazing Ugandan staff of 47 Ugandans who dedicate their time and their love to really love our kids and to raise them in an environment that's happy and where they celebrate their special needs and their differences. Every person that comes through our gate, they get to see the tremendous value that we place on our kids. They get to see the love that we have and the family that we are and how we just love doing life together. And they get to see a completely different side or a new side to special needs, which is something there culturally isn't there. God made them for a purpose. God made them the way they are because they knew, because he knew that there, there would be someone out there who would come and help these children. I'd love to look back in many years and see um, a different Uganda, a different a place where special needs children are no longer seen as curses, where they're growing up in families, not just in a children's home, but also that they're empowered individuals. I would love to be able to look back and see um, Africa that values all life. All right, so a little bit later after the sermon, we're going to invite you to give to that. Anything you put in the baskets, it's going to go directly to that. One of our leaders in our church, Graham Saunders, his family, some of them were on that video. We know upfront and personal what this organization does. It's legitimate, uh, and it's incredible work in Uganda. And so be a part of that. We, I think they need $3 million. So if you got a lot of money, just come on, bring it today. Uh, today's the day, but I don't think we'll hit that. Uh, but I do think we can make a little bit of a dent. I do think we can get the blessing of being a part of this. And so uh, if, you, if you don't have a checkbook because you don't even know what that is, uh, you can give online. Uh, all the way through today through midnight, my wife and I gave online. Today's a little bit of a crazy day for us, so we went ahead and gave online this morning. We invite you to do that. The link uh, was on the screen. If we can throw that back up there just so you guys can see it. Uh, you can do it during the service. won't offend me at all. Go to that link, select Easter offering. You'll have to do that online, and all of that will go to bless these kids in Uganda. So let's, let's make a difference in that today as we see the love of Jesus move in and through us. All right, let's dive in. Um, uh, if you're like me, there's a lot of songs out there. You, you maybe know all the words, but there's some songs out there you just know the beat, you know the rhythm, and you know the melody. 
Right, for me right now, uh, that's the songs my kids listen to because I can't keep up. Right, I'm not that cool of a dad. And so there's songs that they listen to, specifically songs from a show on Disney called Descendants. Have you heard of this show? If you, if you haven't, God bless you. God's grace be with you. Uh, you don't have to get involved. It's taken over our lives, right? And so I hear these songs all the time in my house, and they've kind of saturated my brain. And so I kind of know the, the beat. I kind of know the rhythm. I kind of know the melody. And so what I'll do when I'm taking my kids to school is I'll try to sing along. And I know the beat, and I know the melody, and I know the rhythm, so I can sing along a little bit, but I don't really know the content. And so here's the way this, this uh, one phrase of a song actually goes. It goes, let's go, make your move, peace or war, it's up to you. Catching that? Good, huh? Now here's the way I sing it. Let's go, here we go. Da -da 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 -da. And when I do that, don't encourage me. Don't encourage me, I'll just keep going. When I do that in the car with my kids, my kids, what do you think they say? Dad, stop. Like, just stop singing. But also, Dad, you got the words wrong. That's not the right words. And so they'll tell me the words. And I'm like, oh, I never, I never knew. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that mean, peace or war? It's up to you. What are you listening to? No, just kidding. Um, I think Easter is a little bit like that for some of us. We know the beat. We know the melody. We know the rhythm. Enough to sing along. Right? Enough to go through the motions. We know we're supposed to dress up nice. We know we're supposed to hunt Easter eggs. We know we're supposed to talk about Jesus. We know we're supposed to stand up, sit down, listen to God's word. We know we're supposed to go through the motions, but we don't know the actual content. And how many Easter's have you been through where it's like that? Where you leave Easter service and you go home, eat lunch, and leave unchanged because you don't know the content of it. Well, you need to know today, whatever your background is, if you've been in church for a long time, grew up in a pew, or if this is your first Sunday, Easter is about Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. It's about his character, his nature, his person, his work on our behalf. And I think one of the best passages in all of the Bible that depicts that is the passage we're going to look at today. So you're going to get the content of Easter. Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is where we're going to be. Grab a Bible if you haven't already. There's one by you. Grab that. I want you to see God's word with your own eyes. If you need to, you can look on the screen as well. We're going to read it together and talk about it just briefly. Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. That's Jesus. He's the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. You get the picture? Everything, all things were created through him and for him. He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So some context for you as we dive right into this. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing this to the church at Colossae. Uh, the people at Colossae, newer believers, newer church. We're a three-year-old church. We think this church was about three to four years old. And they were being infiltrated by heretical false teaching. Teaching that would say this about Jesus, that he may be important, but he is not preeminent. He may be a good teacher, but he is not God. And so Paul directly is going to address this. He's going to address this. Notice the sequence in chapter 1 of this book. It's as if he sets north on a compass. It says, hey, the whole picture of where we're going, the whole journey of where we're going this, with this thing, it has to be with Jesus as the center, with Jesus as first and best. And so in these six verses, you see nine times it's a he or him. 
Six verses, nine times, Jesus, 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 over and over. Five times, you see this phrase, all things. That the crux of this passage is that Jesus is priority and authority over everything. Over the universe, but also your life. That Jesus creates life and Jesus conquers death. That's what Paul is going to teach us today in this passage. Twice, specifically, this is what we're going to hone in on today. He calls uh, Jesus the firstborn of creation and from the dead. What that means, don't get confused. It's not sequence, firstborn. It's priority. It's rights. It's privileges. The same as if a, a firstborn son of a, of a king would have all the rights and privileges to the throne and to the people, to the land. Jesus has that with the entire universe. He's the firstborn of creation, but he's also the firstborn from the dead. He has priority and authority over life, but he has priority and authority as well over death. He is God in the flesh. Verse 15 tells us he is the image of the invisible God. Now, we're all image bearers. We're all created in the image of God. Whether you believe in God or not this morning, you are created in his image. You reflect creator God. And so we have to get that. We have to see that. Dignity, value, everybody has it. Right? That applies to so many things in our world today. But you need to know that's a little bit distorted. That when people see you, they don't see a direct image of God. Why? Because you're distorted with sin. Your image is distorted. It's like Instagram or Snapchat, those little fun effects that you put on your face that you like so much. It looks like somebody else. It looks a little twisted. Well, you're created in the image of God, but it's a little twisted. It's a lot twisted by sin. So when it says Jesus is the image of the invisible God, it's not like that. Jesus gives us a perfect picture of what God is like. Now, when I say perfect, I think the first thing many of us think of is Jesus didn't do anything wrong, which is true. But that's only half of the perfect picture. You see, Jesus loves perfectly. There's not a better way to love. Jesus is present perfectly. He never checks his phone. Jesus is powerful perfectly. He has no limits. Jesus is exact perfectly. He's the opposite of an Ikea instructional manual. Right? He doesn't eyeball it. He doesn't do it halfway and think, well, I'll just figure out the rest. No, Jesus is perfect. He not only doesn't sin, he does everything perfectly. And he's exact. That leads us to verse 16. By Jesus, all things were created. He's the creator of the universe. He's the creator of life. And it's exact. It's perfect. Jesus built everything. No one showed him how to do that. And so you just think about it. Just There's a lot of things we go through. Here's a few. The sun, which Jesus created. The sun is 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. But the earth is just close enough to get warmth but not incinerate. In Phoenix, the sun shines a lot. Do you ever think about that? <laughs> right? Do you just check the weather and post the weather and get angry about the weather? Or do you think about, wow, I'm not burning right now. I'm not being engulfed by the flames of the sun. But I'm kind of warm. I kind of want to take a dip in the pool. That's the perfection of Jesus on display through creation. Gravity, enough distance in our atmosphere to fly a plane all over the world and not immediately bounce into space. Do you ever think about that? 
30,000 feet, watching your iPad? Why are we not bouncing into space right now? Has it ever come to you? It should. Jesus created this. He is perfect. Our human body, we have a muscle the size of our fist keeping us alive right now, beating in our chest. It's big things like that, but it's also little things. Like, why do fajitas smell so good? Right? Why does that afternoon Sunday nap feel so refreshing? Because Jesus is perfect. He creates life, all of it, and he creates it exact. And so that means nothing is meaningless. Nothing is purposeless. Because Jesus created the sun, he created the the moon, the stars, gravity, but he also created you. And so maybe you're here today and you think you don't have significance, you don't have purpose, you don't have meaning. False. But not because of you. Listen, I'm not here to lift you up and tell you how great you are and you're an amazing snowflake. You have worth, incredible worth, more worth than you can imagine, not because of you, but because Jesus created you. And he has a plan for your life. And so listen, don't miss this. I know some of us are here out of a routine. Some of us are here because somebody tricked us in coming here. Some of us said, hey, come down to this cool place for brunch. Downtown. And then you ended up in a church and there's only one exit. It would be awkward if you left right now. I'm just going to leave that with you. All of us are here for different reasons. Don't miss the purpose that Jesus creates all of life, including yours. He gives you purpose, you meaning, because of who he is in his very nature. Do you see that? The second point is Jesus conquers death. Look at verse 18 with me. It says in he, that's Jesus, is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We're going to hone in on that second phrase, firstborn from the dead. This means Jesus was the first to rise. He was the first to conquer death. This is the resurrection of Jesus. This is when we get up early on Easter morning. This is when we get all the kids dressed. This is why you go through all that, get the snot on the tie and, and switch the tie. This is why you are wrangling kids even right now. It's because Jesus was the first one to rise from the dead. Jesus beat death. Jesus gave victory over sin, Satan, death, and the grave through his resurrection. He's the firstborn from the dead. He conquers death. It gives credibility to everything he ever said, to everything he ever did, to all the miracles, to all the teachings, to all the casting out demons. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, all that stuff is meaningless. But if he rose from the dead, all of that is life-altering, life-shattering, history-changing because he rose from the dead. It proves, verse 19, that Jesus is the fullness of God. He's the fullness of God. He's not a good teacher. He was born as a baby, but that wasn't his beginning. Jesus existed from all time, before creation. He is eternal. And he rises from the dead to show us that he beats death, that one day, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, you will beat death. 
and you will be with him for eternity. Amen? That's the glory of Easter, that he rose from the dead. Now, some of you might say, well, Tim, you, you want me to just take your word for all that? You want me to just, because it's Easter and you're, you're speaking really loudly and convincingly, I'm just supposed to accept that as truth? I'm smarter than that. You want me to check my mind at the door? You want me to take your word for this? I mean, I'm here. My spouse brought me. She told me I had to come. My kids really wanted to come hunt Easter eggs. I'm here. But no, 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 I'm not going to give in to that. You can't convince me. I'm not going to take your word for it. And listen, I'm not asking you to. I'm asking you to take God's word for it. That God's word, 66 books of the Bible, 40 plus authors over 1,500 years, proclaim this truth, connected this truth. You need to know there's other books written about God. They're written by one person at one time. You know what we call those books now? You know what we call those religions now? Cults, Greek mythology. The Bible is different than any other book, right? It has stood the test of times. Scripture itself says the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord, what? It lasts forever. And that's not just a cute verse. We see that in history. Listen, all these years later, the Bible, still the best-selling book. All these Discovery Channel episode later, poking holes in the Bible. The Bible's still here. All these years later, what do we put our hand on to swear before in a courtroom? A Bible. Something's going on with that. The Bible is unique. It's different. People in the Bible are unique. A, a guy named James who wrote a book of our New Testament. He was the brother of Jesus. Now, James wrote a book of the Bible professing Jesus as God, that he rose from the dead. Now, question, if you have siblings, how much would need to happen for your brother to call you God? <laughs> he need to rise from the dead, amen? I mean, he need to rise from the dead and come and talk to you for you to say, bro, you're God. I mean, I, I, I know you always said that growing up, but now believe it. That's James. James writes a book of the Bible proclaiming Jesus, my brother, is God. Follow him. Do his works. Something's going on there. Time, Jesus splits time into two. Right, we have B.C., A.D., just when you celebrated 2018 at the beginning of the year, you're acknowledging Jesus. Do you realize that? Every time you write a date on the calendar, you're acknowledging Jesus. Our history is split into two by Jesus. So don't take my word for it. You should never do that. You should think through the evidence logically, historically, personally. And there's much there that we can't deny. Jesus is the priority and authority over life, over death. So my question for you is simple. Is this reflected in your life? Is this reflected in your life? Is this reflected in your possessions? Is this reflected in your marriage? Is this reflected in your family? Is this reflected in your wallet? That Jesus is priority, authority over life, over death. St. Augustine said this. He said, disordered loves are at the root of all sin. Disordered loves. Can you picture that? 
I, I love my kids, but they're, they're right here. I, I love my wife. She's right here. I love Jesus. He's right here. That my love, my affection, my commitment, my devotion for Jesus is the banner that flies over my whole life. That's what scripture calls us to. That's the preeminence, the first and best. Jesus, that's what he calls you to. He is priority and authority over all the universe. He's that over your life. And what St. Augustine is saying is that we disorder our loves. And we say, hey, I really love my family. That's a good thing. I really love my kids. That's a good thing. I love my job. Great thing. I love my health. Good thing. And we put those loves above Jesus. And maybe you never say that, but functionally, that's how you live your life. And so does the priority and authority of Jesus, does it show up in your life? Christian, if you say you know Jesus, if Jesus is alive, if he is priority and authority over all things in your life, you cannot just go home after this. You can't just go to brunch. You can't engage coworkers who don't believe in Jesus, who don't have Jesus as the priority and authority over their life. You can't engage neighbors like that and not tell them about Jesus. Because without Jesus, they're going to hell. Without Jesus, they're separated for eternity. So believer in here, I know not everybody is. If you know Jesus, the priority and authority over all of life, who creates life, who conquers death, you can't be a nominal Christian. That doesn't even make sense. There's nothing of that sort that exists. You have to give your whole life to this. You have to have Jesus inform and affect everything about your life, about your friendships, about your conversations, that all of your life should revolve around him. That's a popular thing to say, isn't it? All of your life revolve around somebody else. You like that? I don't. Right? I want things to revolve around the universe of Tim. Right? I want my kids to go to bed at 8 p.m. sharp every night to eat their vegetables. I, I want a job that makes a lot of money. I want success. I want you to listen to this sermon and love it. Right? It's Easter. Can I, can I confess to you? Right? I want things to revolve around me. You want those things. Now, what's the problem with that? They're not meant to, right? You're not meant to be at the center. It's not designed that way. Jesus designed it. He designed it a different way. How did he design it? To revolve around him. For you to revolve around him. And so when you try to put yourself at the center, when you try to put your finances at the center, your job, your health, your kids, your spouse at the center, it doesn't work out. All of those things are insufficient. They can't handle that. They can't handle being at the center. All of you know this. We fail each other. We frustrate one another. Because of that, they're insufficient centers of our lives. That only one thing, only one person can be the, the center, the priority, the authority of everything in our life. It's set up that way. It's designed that way. And so every way we turn, if we go against that, there's pain. And just look at our culture. There's pain because of that. There's pain in your life because of that. And it's only when we recenter around the priority of the authority of Jesus Christ that we experience joy, meaning, purpose, love, truth, peace. 
It's all with him at the center. So is that reflected in your life? Listen, this isn't to take from you. This is for you. That God's glory and your joy, that Jesus being the first priority and authority and you putting everything in your life around him, those things are parallel tracks. Do you see it? God set it up this way. It doesn't work any other way. It's for your joy. Amen? It's why it's such an amazing thing. And so we need to reprioritize our lives, our kids, even the good things, our health around Jesus. And so here's how I want to end this morning. Um, there's a, a friend of ours, her name's Lacey Sturm, and I've seen this work out in her life um, through some significant ways. Um, she almost committed suicide, and she gave her life to Jesus. She had an encounter with God, and it completely transformed her life. She did what I'm talking about. She looked at Jesus after trying a lot of other ways and putting herself at the center and putting other things at the center. She looked at Jesus and said, he has to be the center, and it transformed everything about her life. And so I want to let you listen to her story. She was supposed to be here with us today to share in person. She's a musician and uh, is on the road, was in concert here, and she's a friend of my wife and I's uh, from a long time. And um, so we wanted her to come and share her story personally with you because I think a lot of you can resonate with it. Uh, her plans changed as often does on tour and for bands. Let's just be honest. Okay, bands. Okay. Um, plans changed with bands. And so she got booked another concert in Albuquerque to, uh, yesterday and couldn't come. So we took PBC to her, and that's the picture from Friday night after our Good Friday service. We uh, booked it over to a concert, a heavy rock concert after we celebrated the death of Jesus. And uh, she led us in some worship songs and talked about Jesus. It was amazing. Um, and we got to interview, here, interview her uh, and get her story. So I want you to watch that story and hear how she put Jesus at the center of her life. Friday service at Phoenix Bible Church, proclaiming Jesus, but this has, this has completely changed your life. You're not perfect, um, but you as a mom, as a musician, as a wife, this is, we just heard you yell out to a bunch of people who aren't Christians um, about who Jesus is, what he's done, and so there's some people, we're doing that right now, Easter weekend, there's a lot of people some people know Jesus, some people don't, different backgrounds. What would you say to the person that's out there, this has changed your life, and maybe they, they're in church, so they're like, hey, maybe there's something here. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you say to them if they're kind of holding back? So what I would say to someone who is not sure about whether or not this is, what it, if they should open up and, invite God into their life, invite Christ into, is that uh, over and over in my life, before I knew the Lord, 
tried to make this life the most it could be. I tried, you know, drugs and relationships and um, just everything that I felt like could be some kind of a high in life. And to, re to recognize and realize that all of it left me empty. I even studied other religions and tried to, like, find some kind of healing for my brokenness inside. And there was no tangible healing. And that's the thing is that Jesus actually is alive. He is alive and he has sent us the Holy Spirit and he is not a dead religion that we're just trying to um, make ourselves feel better. He's actually a living being that wants a relationship with us and everywhere we try to get that life to the full yeah. we we end up short yeah. and if we keep going to the end of that search we will come up short if it's not in Christ yeah. and that's what's beautiful about life in Christ is yeah. that it's tangible it's powerful and it is everything it claims to be yeah. and more than yeah. you know when you have a relationship with somebody just like in a marriage you learn mm -hmm. every year there's like you learn more about who you're with and God is expansive and he's worth everything and more everything you have to hand over to actually have your hands empty so you can receive all that he has for you yeah he's worth it all yeah well thanks so much for sharing thanks for <laughs> losing your voice <laughs> my voice tonight uh, just proclaiming that truth that this is something it is legit it is authentic in your life I love getting to see that and for us to hear that so thanks so much for yay sharing. All right, well, thanks to Lacey for sharing. If you have no idea who that is, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, she would say that as well. It matters that you know what she said earlier, that Jesus is actually alive. It's not dead religion. And so here's how we're going to end today. Uh, I, I want to call you to this truth, that, that if Jesus is alive, what does that change? If he is the priority and authority over everything, what does that change about your life? You need to know this, if Jesus is dead, if this is just a religion, then by all means, leave, go eat lunch. Go hunt some eggs. Because it's just a religion. He was just a good teacher. But if you claim to believe that Jesus is alive, you can't do that. That's not an option. You either surrender your whole life to him and up under him, or you reject him. And so I would encourage you to, to sift that through your life, sift that through your relationships, your finances, your schedule. This Easter, that it wouldn't be like the other Easter's. That Jesus Christ, the ultimate reality of him, would absolutely transform all of who you are. And so I'm going to invite the band back up. We're going to respond to this truth. Um, if you know Jesus, man, this is a great time. Just to reflect, to pray. What in my life is, is not revolving around Jesus? He is the one who created life. He is the one who conquers death. It's set up so that my life should revolve around him. What is it? It's called confession, to talk about that with God and, and be honest with God and say, God, there's some things in my life that need to be reoriented, reprioritized, and, and that you would ask God to help you do that. And then if you don't know Jesus, that you would for the first time give your life, give your sin to him. That all the places you've been running to find joy, 
meaning, purpose, they're always going to be lacking. They're always going to be insufficient. That you would give your life and give your sin to the one who is sufficient, the one who is ultimate, the one who is priority and authority over all things. And so I'm going to ask you all, whether you know Jesus or not, to bow your head. Would you bow your head with me right now? Uh, We're going to respond to this truth. Nobody looking around. Just take this moment. Don't miss this moment. Don't put the ham in the oven. It'll, It'll be fine. You don't have to get to the Easter eggs too quick. They're still going to be out there. Don't miss this moment. God has placed you here for a reason, Christian, non-Christian, skeptical, convinced. God has placed you here in this room for a reason to reprioritize your life around the only priority and authority in all of life, Jesus Christ. So take a moment to do that now. If you don't know Jesus, here's what that looks like. You just talk to Jesus. You can stop listening to me, start talking to him and say, Jesus, I give my life, my sin to you. You are Lord of my life. You are Lord of the universe. I believe you died for me and rose again for me. That if you tell Jesus that today, that your life has been ultimately transferred from darkness to light, from hell to heaven, And if you made that decision this morning, again, we're going to baptize people in a little bit. Maybe you have no idea what that looks like. There's some people in the back with lanyards on that say, I can help. And they just would love to talk with you and pray with you about that decision. I mean, we'd love to do that with you today, to celebrate this new life in Jesus today. Don't miss this moment. Don't wait. God is calling you now. The time to do that is now. Let me pray for you. And then we'll receive our offering. Father in heaven, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that Jesus is alive. I thank you that he rules and reigns over the universe, but also our lives. I thank you that, Jesus, you saved me, that the only reason that I can stand up here and proclaim this is because of what you have accomplished on the cross and in the resurrection for my life. And that's the case for every man, woman, and child in this room. So help us. Help us just to worship you out of that, to give our lives to you out of that, to experience the joy in you because of that. God, that we might be a people collectively who don't just let this be another Easter where we go home, but it's an Easter that commissions us out to proclaim you to our friends, to our family, to our neighbors, and everybody we know. And starting with ourselves, that it would change our very lives. God, we pray that, we ask that, we celebrate you in the name of Jesus. Amen.